Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, uh, the Badgers had some, had some, uh, had a couple of rough games. A couple of rough games, and uh, then get back on track against Northwestern since the last time we had a chance to talk, Jesse. Uh, obviously, the Michigan game deflating because you get that 14-point lead in the first half and then uh, can obviously hold it. Uh, you, you lead most of the way against the number 3 team in the country coming off that big of a layoff and just can't, uh, just could not get to the finish line. And then the following game, you take on Iowa, and you get down into a hole, and you come back, and you get it to within 3 and just couldn't get over the hump there. But then comes Northwestern, the gift that keeps on giving wins to every other team in the conference. Northwestern, Badgers beat them 68-51 and uh, hand Northwestern their 13th straight loss. The Badgers get to 16 wins and 10 wins in the Big Ten. I believe that's double digits 18 times in the last 20 years. No other team can claim that. I wish I could be impressed as you clearly are with that win against Northwestern. I'm not, no, no, don't put that on me. Don't put that sorcery <laughs> on me. I, I, no, I did not say I was impressed with it. We'll get into I'm that. I'm just giving you crap, Zach. We'll That's get it. We do here. We'll get into that, but don't, no, 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 sir. No, sir. It's, but it's, uh, it's been tough to watch Wisconsin basketball recently. And, and you talk about the 10 conference wins and certainly there are a lot of programs that would love to be in that position to do it as consistently as the Badgers have. They're ten and seven right now, and they're ten and two against basically the bad teams in the league. And they're zero and five against the top four. They haven't played Purdue yet, but will coming up, and that's a big problem, obviously. And that it's the, it's the lack of consistency, which is almost that cliche term. They're consistently inconsistent. That's that's just sort of mind bending because you feel like they shouldn't be playing this way. But you talk about the Michigan game. That was a Wolverines team that hadn't played a game in 23 days. And we'd seen other teams, and granted Michigan is better than some of those other teams, that took a couple games to get into the swing of things. And as you said, Wisconsin had a double-digit lead. The Badgers were outscored 23-8 to close the game. Michigan scored the last eight points to break a tie. Then Wisconsin plays against Iowa and starts that game one for nine. And in Northwestern, they, they had nine straight empty possessions in the first half. They went almost six minutes without a, a field goal or a point. So it's just, it's really problematic. <laughs> the fact that it's happening this late in the season makes you think that uh, we're going to continue to see this, especially as the competition gets better and they're not playing Northwestern in the NCAA tournament. They will not be play, playing Northwestern in the NCAA tournament, but I think it's also worth noting that the those top teams in the conference, uh, the the Iowa, the the Iowas, the Michigans, the Illinois, and the Ohio States, currently make up nearly half of the top ten in the country. Yep, um, those right, are all valid points. But so that's, Michigan's that's where th- we thought Wisconsin should be. So you know the fact that they're winless against those teams tells you that that they're those Wisconsin is just not on that level and. It's just hard to believe that they can get to that level. Uh, can you tell I'm feeling a little pessimistic on the outset here? Yeah. You, do you have something you'd like to to get off your chest? Like I, I you feel a little bit different tonight, Jesse. You feel you, you sound a little bit different. Is is, is something? I, I, I think just, it's just from watching 20 plus Wisconsin games this okay. season. All right. <laughs> no, uh, I'm generally an optimist. Yes, you are. <laughs> they, um, they, they they've had the pieces in place, and it just consistently has not come together. And you have different players that do it on a given night, but. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. You're right. Yeah. 
But I do think that there were there were some positives to pull out of that Northwestern game. Well, obviously Northwestern is not a very good team. Them and North, them and uh, Nebraska are the two worst teams in the conference. There's no doubt about that. There were some positives, and I think it's worth certainly noting them. And we'll get into the negatives as well. But the the two positives, or the one positive, I'll say, is the the shooting from Demetri Trice and. Micah Potter, who we both, Definitely. you know, those are their two offensive weapons, their two biggest offensive weapons. And they have been, uh, I think it's fair to say, struggling to shoot the ball for the past month or so, just like the rest of the team has. Because team-wise, 41%, that's not that's not great by any stretch. The 36% from three certainly can live with that, and you get go... You get a six for seven effort from those two guys from beyond the arc, and overall, I believe they missed two shots between them through the entire game. That to me is a significant, significant thing because we saw how badly Meat shot it against uh, Iowa, and he's had a couple of performances like that in the last month or so. Obviously, Micah shot it well against Iowa. He had previously gone about four, I think it was four games without even hitting a three. So what I'm saying is those that has to be looked at as okay. It's Northwestern, sure, but you still have to hit the shots that are there, and they did. You're right, Zach, and, and maybe this is a game where we look back and say that was the get-right game because I, I'm talking about the negatives, but they did have five players scoring double figures, and that's going to be critical um, as they move forward. And you got some some key performances. You talk about Micah. You know, the fact that he and Nate Reavers came up with zero rebounds collectively against Michigan just – blows my mind but he's been excellent the last two games he's come out pissed he's, got, he's come out he's come out angry yep. and played that way and we saw it, certainly saw it uh, against Iowa on the glass I mean he they had 17 offensive rebounds against Iowa and they turned that all into four points that's the negative the positive obviously was just a significant change in the way to get after the ball when it's coming yeah. off the glass yeah I mean off the and, rim and, and and obviously when you shoot it better from three that makes everything better but it's like that's un that is unguardable when Micah can step back and bury those those shots because, first of all, post player's not used to generally playing someone that dynamic, and if you give any space, he's going to lift up and shoot it over you, and he can shoot it from well beyond the line. He's got 42 points and 19 rebounds the last two games, and the way it's shaping up, he's might have to be the catalyst, he and, he and Trice, uh, to, to try and make a deep run. But, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan Davis continues to play well, and... It's going to be have to be a collective effort, and, and I think that's part of it. Like I was saying before, it's that inconsistency. You don't necessarily know who's going to show up every game, yeah. other than than Trice for the most part. I mean, I think of a lean Ford, for example. He opens up that game against Michigan. He has 11 points in the first nine minutes. He's four for four from the field. He has 11 in Wisconsin's first 15 points. He's three for 21 from the field since he started four for four there. He went 0 for 7 against Northwestern, didn't score a point. Um, you know, this is a veteran player and, and it's just you, you like everyone else on the roster other than Davis, basically, you don't know exactly who's going to show up every night. Um, so that's why you got to rely on a, a couple guys to do that. Yeah. Four, 10 for 37 of the last four games. And that is not ideal. And neither is Nate Reavers shooting over the last four games. He's six for 25. Your two seniors that have played so many games, started so many games, are shooting 25% over the last four games. That part of the negativity, which I'm I'm glad, of course, you brought up, and we'll we'll get We're into that. We're switching roles like good cop, bad cop. I, I, this, is, this is very, very weird at this point. You know, coming off a win, coming off a 17-point win against a very not-so-good Northwestern team, certainly thought that there'd be a little bit more positivity out of you, but hey, that's fine. 
I would agree completely on uh, on Aleem Ford and what the hell because there were some <laughs> there were the, the layups against Iowa they got they were able to get inside and they had some really easy not easy shots but yes no for a division 1 high division 1 player like Aleem Ford is you got to make them and then he got the ball stuck in the rim yesterday on another, on a drive it wasn't great he needs to he needs to be better there is uh there's no doubt about that. Now, I will say he did have a season-high four assists, also had five rebounds, was okay defensively. Nate Reavers had one rebound uh, yesterday, had two points, was better defensively. But when they play the likes of Luca Garza and Kofi Cockburn, uh, you need to be better than what they've been. I, I, that's just so simple, right? Like, it just – the, the challenges of what you're facing – and those are some of the best centers in the country. And you throw in Hunter Dickinson in there too. It's a, it's a tall task, but it's one that Nate, you thought after these last three years would be up for the challenge. And more often than not, this year against higher competition, high le- high, higher level competition, it hasn't necessarily gone well. Yeah, Nate continues to be a, a bit of a mystery because you talked about the Michigan game and the Iowa game, and and yes, those are premier elite. Big men, same with Kofi Kochberg against Illinois, who dunked on everyone's head and had like seven dunks. But Nate has nine minutes the last three games. He has two rebounds. That's just astounding. That's clearly not good enough. He didn't have any rebounds in 22 minutes against Michigan. Dickinson just dominated. He and Potter. I mean, look at the the end of the game when it, it sort of told the story there. It seemed like every time there was a miss, Dickinson was on the offensive boards just bodying people up. This is a freshman. Obviously, he's going to have a bright future, a pro future. Seven. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's it shouldn't, but he's been doing it to everybody lately. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Michigan-Ohio State game. He took over in the second half and, and helped Michigan win that game. But you're right. There were just a few times where, and, and, Nate said, and Micah said it afterwards, you have to attack the ball. You can't just right. box a guy out. At some point, you have to go get the ball, and Hunter Dickinson did that, and they didn't. Yeah, and so it, it is interesting because it did. We've talked before. It seemed like Nate was starting to turn the corner. Um, you know, he was back in the the starting lineup, and just it hasn't been consistent. And it's it's been a story I think throughout his career that when he plays more physical, more talented big men, he tends to struggle. Um, and that's just kind of the way it's been. But he's got to be able to to figure out how to, to turn it around here down the stretch because uh, that's just, that's not good enough. And it's, I thought he was, I thought the Northwestern game was going to be a big breakout game for him because early on, one of the things he does exceptionally well is his ability to, to shot fake from the three point line, mm-hmm. take a couple dribbles and hit a mid range jumper. And that's what he did. And that was it for him <laughs> offensively. Didn't really do much else. So I really, I don't know what to expect from him down the stretch, but it's just, he's averaging 3.3 rebounds a game this season. That's his lowest since he was a freshman. So um, I know he's not playing as many minutes as he has and certainly would like, but he's got to be better. Which of the two do you, do they need more out of down the stretch? Ford or Ford or Reavers? Or, oh, Ford, Ford, Ford or Reavers. The two guys well, that are the two guys that we've been talking about struggling. Yeah. I would say Reavers, just I, I'm because I think of his ability to to change the game. I mean, know he's uh, the program's blocks leader and if he's just in it mentally and, and physically, I think it makes a, a really big difference. And certainly you can say the same thing about Aleem, but just having a 6'11 center who can step out and conceivably hit threes, we know he can do it, who can control the paint, 
do those types of things. I, I think they'd need more out of Nate down the stretch. Yeah. All right. So I mentioned this before we came, uh, before we started recording. Uh, but afterwards, we we got an opportunity to chat with Micah Potter, and he mentioned what originally he called the team realization, and then he expanded on a little bit and called it a team meeting that they had after the Iowa game and obviously before the Northwestern game. And the uh, you know he wouldn't get into specifics, but I thought it was it was pretty clear what he was what they were saying. I mean, they are a group of seniors in this season. And Potter said it himself, has not gone the way that they thought it would. They thought they'd be in the mix for the Big Ten title. They're clearly not. They are not at the level uh, that the the elite teams in this conference are right now. But you could go one away two ways with that. You can say, you know, we're going to be done here in two weeks and we'll go on with our lives and and, uh, won't worry about it. Or you can fight. And at least for one game, they decided to fight. And uh, I know team meetings at that point, maybe, you know, team meetings are only, you only hear about the team meetings when things go well, right? Like you don't hear about a team meeting that you had that was all fire and brimstone. And then you go out and lay an egg. You don't hear about that team meeting. You hear only hear about the team meetings that lead to uh, wins and lead to success. And so we, that's what we heard about after the Northwestern game. But he said that they became closer, that they became even more tight knit as a result of, uh, getting some things off their chest. I don't, obviously we don't know what was exactly said in there, but I think the realization that what is uh, the happening over the next three weeks, four weeks will go a long way to determining their, uh, I don't want to say legacy. I mean, they've, a lot of these guys have won a big 10 title already. We know that. And that's probably going to be what a lot of people remember from a lot of these guys careers, but potential to be more than what they have been so far this year. Well, the great team meeting story has helped teams in the past. I mean, I remember what Greg Gard's first season when he took yep. over, right? Yep. The, at the moment when they lost to Northwestern. Um, was it Northwestern? Yeah, it was down at Northwestern. About one five. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Nigel Hayes was less than thrilled, and they obviously made that big run, and Greg ended up getting a full-time job. I think of this as the Festivus-style airing of grievances. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it will make for a good story if they actually do turn it around. They've got a which you love games coming up, which 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 you love. You love What's good story. You love good stories. I, oh, I, I am all for the good stories. Uh, this reminds me of a quote from former White Sox manager Ozzie Guillen. I this might sound off. But you, co- you you covered that for a summer, didn't you? I did. This might have been that season too. I covered the White Sox in two thousand nine for uh, for MLB dot com. He's the most entertaining dude I've ever been around. But Really? More than Paul Christ? Uh, yeah, slightly more. And he had a quote, and uh, he used to say, good teams win games, horse bleep teams have meetings. <laughs> but we're, we're to the point where we're going to have a lot of meetings. I'm not saying that <laughs> Wisconsin is obviously much better than that, but I just felt it was apropos of the moment that, uh, you know, the team meeting story um, – really only comes up when your team hasn't been playing very good. And I guess it can be a galvanizing moment, but we'll see. Jerry's right. still out. That's And that's why I said, like, you can look at it one of two ways is, uh, you know, if it works out, it's a great story. We don't hear a lot of stories about team meetings if they don't work. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> that story's not written. There was a fantastic team meeting. A lot of great things were said. We went out lost by thirty. Like you don't, you don't hear, <laughs> you don't hear about those meetings, right? Like that's you just you yeah. don't. So we heard about that one last night, and and um, 
together is a word that the Twitter account, Wisconsin Twitter account, used before the game. I, I suspect it was a little bit of a uh, nod towards that meeting where they were talking about being together and staying together and coming together and and putting it all out there and enjoying it. Uh, I think the biggest shock, no, maybe not the biggest shock, but one of the bigger surprises from the Northwestern game, we had a Jonathan Davis smile. I don't oh, know. If you, I, I don't thought know. you were going to go with the Carter Gilmore sighting, but no, yes, the, I did briefly I see said, a Johnny Davis smile. I said one of, one of. <laughs> the, the Carter Gilmore thing we'll get to in a second, but Jonathan Davis smile after uh, his finish, his, his pretty finish uh on the oh, yeah. uh on the breakaway Smooth. yeah the, the, the lefty uh scoop shot yeah i don't I, I don't i don't know if that's exactly the play that great guard would have wanted from him in that situation but hey it went down he was smiling and they were excited and we haven't seen a ton of that especially from johnny just jonathan excuse me because that's just you know that's not really who he is he's he's uh you're gonna yell at him he's gonna act one way you're gonna praise him he's gonna act act the exact same way so but yes that was uh good to see from him and he was uh, he didn't shoot it great, but it just felt like he was everywhere on the floor. And the same thing for Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall, and uh, bringing up Tyler Wall because his two fouls led to Carter Gilmore getting some playing time in there in that first yeah. half. Uh, he ended up playing five minutes, which I believe was a career high, and certainly was not shy. He uh, popped two three-pointers, neither of which uh, went in, but certainly was not shy, had a rebound. His was a little bit of a necessity because... Uh, Trevor Anderson missed his second straight game with what Wisconsin is detailing as a upper body injury, and he is day-to-day. But because they don't play until Saturday against Illinois, it's, it's possible that he'll be able to return. But yeah, Tyler Wall had a really good game defensively in the second half. You know, Offensively, it is what it is sometimes with him, but he was really good defensively. Yeah, certainly not a surprise. I mean, he had he had some good offensive moments, too. I, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. was lucky to bank in a three, but he had a putback of his own miss, and you know, all of a sudden the game was out of hand, and, and you're right. Defensively, he's a pest. That's what he does. Um, and I, Carter does not lack for confidence. I'm glad he came in and fired away. If you're going to get run for five minutes, you might as well try to make the most of it because I don't know when we're going to see him again in that type of role this season. But it was a necessity because Tyler had those two fouls, and, and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that they haven't had Trevor for the last couple games because obviously that changes the rotation and, and Trevor's done some really good things and has been a steady backup point guard for the Badgers. So to not have him does impact, uh, you know, what Greg does with the lineup. You know, Carter had to have been hitting some shots in, in practice for him to throw those, throw those up, right? So. I mean, it's not or, or for like, him to even get in. I mean, like, yeah, well, right. But he needed because of the foul and he ended up playing Tyler. He ended up putting Tyler back in with two fouls in the first half. Yep. And we haven't seen that a ton. Well, it hasn't always been something he's done, uh, especially with, with the bigs. But Tyler came back in and, and uh, was able to play the rest of the first half without picking up another one. So they only had 10 team fouls for the game, which is insane considering some of the foul issues that they had earlier in the year. But Northwestern doesn't necessarily challenge you in the same way that some other teams will. I don't know. Having you feel car- encouraged. It seems like you, uh, you think this team may be turning the corner. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think it was important that the two guys that are going to lead them offensively broke out. Demetri Trice and Micah Potter, they're shooting, they're outside shooting. If it comes, watch out. I mean, like, that's just that to me is what can make them a, a difficult out for any team in March. And obviously, I don't know what the, the next three games are going to hold. It's not like they shot great as a team, 41%, not great. But the two guys that really need to shoot shoot it well did 
And I think that's uh, could be significant moving forward. Brad's going to keep on throwing shots up. Um, yeah. You know that. And uh, at, at times he's going to hit them like he did against Iowa. And there's going to be other nights where he goes three for 10, like he did against Northwestern. But encouraged, could it be a jump start for them? I think it could be. Does that mean it will be? Absolutely not. It's Northwestern. They suck. But... <laughs> But the the, the where, where my where the not confidence, but where the, some of the uh, belief perhaps is those two guys getting back on track to being the, the type of shooters that we know they can be. And I don't know if it's going to last one game or if it's going to last the, the next three. They may not even win. Like they may go one and three or one and two or zero oh and three these next ones. But if they continue to shoot the ball well, I feel good about where they could go in the NCAA tournament. Just because. The teams that they're going to face over these next three games are going to, I think, going to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So, yes, we'll see. Well, that leads me to my question uh, spinning this thing forward. You talk about the next three games. I know we've gone back and forth the last couple shows about how they would close. Um, I think they would need to go two and one to close five and four of the last nine, which is what I said way <laughs> back when. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your take? What do you think? Wisconsin finishes out here. They've got Illinois on Saturday at home and then two road games against Purdue, which I mentioned before the Badgers had not have not played yet and have to go to play Iowa City and future national player of the year, Luca Garza. Who is the who is the national player of the year? It's gonna come from the Big Ten, right? And is it gonna be Luca Garza or is it gonna be uh Sumu? Because he has been on fire of late. And there there is at least some kind of conversation with him and Luca Garza. Now Personally, I would go with Garza. He's been dominant. Uh, the, his scoring has been off, you know, insane. He had a little bit of a lull, but luckily for him, he got to face Wisconsin's interior defense. And, <laughs> yes. But I shouldn't even say interior defense. He stepped out and hit three threes. So I I would vote Luca Garza as the, the player of the year in the Big Ten and the the country, but Tsumu's been really, really good of late. I mean, he's, they've got four triple-doubles in school history, and he's got two of them in the last couple of games, couple a uh, couple of weeks including yeah. the one against Wisconsin. He is ridiculous. He's just coming off a triple-double against Minnesota. He had 19, 10, and 10. I would still go with Garza. He's averaging almost 25 points a yeah. game. He completely destroyed Wisconsin. I can't remember what we talked about earlier in the season about how many he would go for, but... I think it was I think, I think it was 50 and 20, but... Um, it was 30-something, no, I'm it pretty was. sure. And he, got, he, he got, and he got it. He got the 30. Yes, he did. He got he did. the 30 points. It was, only, it, was, it, it was only eight rebounds, though, I believe, right? So he didn't, he didn't have the double-double, but still. He did, he did not, but uh, if he would have played all 40 minutes, he would have gotten there. He, he definitely would have, and it's possible that Michael Potter doesn't put up 23 if, if Luke Garza ends up playing the entire game, but... There you go. Yeah. But he's shooting, he's shooting 56% from the field, but this is... A big man who's shooting 44.4% on threes. That is astounding. Yeah. And he's just a completely dominant player inside and out. So, yeah, I mean, he would be my national player of the year. You can't go wrong with either. Um, but that leads me to the question. Wisconsin has to play both dudes again. Yeah. And obviously the batters didn't have success against either because DeSumo had a triple-double against Wisconsin and Garza went for 30-8. and eight. So, I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. I'm Mr. Positivity here. I don't know if they're going to have a winning record in the last three. Here's the thing. Uh, if, if if we're betting here, I, I would not. I mean, I, I I think it's much more likely they go 0-3 than 2-1. and one or th- um, Here's the thing, though. I, what I want to see on Saturday is them fight. Mm-hmm. Fight. Do not do not let Kofi 
dunk it nine times. Don't let it happen. Make sure that he has to go and earn that some other way. You can't continually allow him to have that many easy ones. And DeSumo's going to get his, too. Like they, they, They're going to get theirs, but you have to fight. And they didn't fight against uh, down in, at Illinois, and Micah Potter said as much and said he that wasn't acceptable. So win or lose, fight. Do not allow— And allo- shoot better than— What's up? And shoot better than four— Shoot better than four for 24 on threes. Then they'll have a chance. Yes, shoot better than 16% from three, and and you'll have a shot. But what I'm saying is, win or lose the game, show a little bit of fight. And uh, I think think we will see that from them. Because Micah, when he says he's going to do it, he does. Come out and play aggressive, stay aggressive, get after it on the glass, do his best, you know, do what you can. These guys are, the, the big guys... They're the best in the country. I think, are there three? I mean, the Big Ten has three of the best centers in the country, no? And, and Dickinson, Dickinson, and Dickinson, well. Dickinson, Garza, and, and Kofi. I mean, those, I, yeah, I would but, put, I mean, that's top, I would put them in the top five in the country of all the big men in the country. And so it's going to be a, a chore no matter what. But fight. Don't go down with zero rebounds like you did the last time you faced, or I should say that, you know, when you faced Hunter Dickinson, you can't, like, that's, you can't have that type of laze, blah, 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 don't really uh, – they can't have that type of BS on, on Saturday against Illinois. You just can't. Yeah, and the thing is, is we know this team's capable of winning all three – I mean, we think this team's capable of winning all three games if they play their best, but – I don't know, think it's going to happen. last time they won – what's that? I don't think it's going to happen. No, I mean, they haven't won consecutive games in over a month. So – it's just hard to it's it's hard to so, believe that they're going to go three for three there. Right. But if so, they do, I mean, it, you know, yeah. things are looking up. Yeah. <laughs> what? So what's the record? I think that I think they. I'll be honest. After ever all my positivity, um, <laughs> for most of the show here, I think they go in three. But I'm gonna uh, go one and two. I'm gonna go one and two. Okay. I, I would like to say two and one because then I'd actually be right. But um, I guess I need more evidence that this team can do that. Especially against Illinois and Iowa. Yeah, like I don't, I, I winning down at Iowa, I just don't see happening at all. Playing at at Purdue, very, you know, that's a possibility. But, I, you know, the the um, they played without fans all year, but like these last three home games would have just been huge, huge games for Wisconsin. And I don't know if the crowd maybe drives uh, gets them over the line against Michigan. Probably doesn't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those where they eke it out because they have. It was kind. Of, mm-hmm. it, it kind of felt like the Michigan State game last year where they got off to that big lead in the first half and then had to hold on for dear life at the end uh, to win that game. And the crowd played a huge role in their ability to do that. And you know, it would have been amazing for the Michigan game. Would have been amazing for the Iowa game. Would have been amazing for Saturday. Like the like all these games would have been huge, huge, huge games for the fans at the Kohl Center and and would have given Wisconsin, I think, a better chance to win them. So I'm I I it's gonna be tough on Saturday. I think they could win at, at Purdue. I don't see any way that they win at Iowa. I think I think those are those are fair. I mean we're we're talking about I know we're harping on the Badgers not playing well against some of those those teams. You know, Michigan's a projected one seed in the NCAA tournament. Iowa and Illinois at this point are projected two seeds. That's that's Joe Lenardi, but those three teams in the in the net rankings, uh Illinois is Michigan's three, Illinois four, and Iowa's five. So, where's you know, Ohio State? <laughs> Ohio State is is uh, is seven. Yeah. So it's 
but those are the types of teams you got to beat if you're going to make a run in, in the in the NCAA tournament. And I don't know. I, I we'll see whether Wisconsin has it in them to to win even one of those games against Illinois and Iowa in the in the second matchups. I think another huge uh, positive coming out of the Nord- uh, Northwestern game, Jonathan Davis going six for seven from the free throw line. Because I think he's one of those guys that ha- has the ability to get to the free throw line a lot. And I don't know necessarily think Wisconsin has a ton of those guys. So that certainly was a good sign. And it's kind of been, uh, he's he's kind of been picking it up. I mean, he's he's only missed, that. I mean, the, he's, what, eight for his last nine from the line, going back these last few games. Get to the line a little bit more and, and uh, he's starting to put it together at the, at the free throw line, which is, I, I think, a significant if uh, he continues to be as aggressive as he is in trying to get to the, in trying to get to the hole, and especially if he's not shooting well, and he, he only it was only three for eight against uh, against Northwestern from the field. Let's stick with the tournament. I think Wisconsin. I, mean, I don't know if we need to say this, but Wisconsin guaranteed themselves a berth with that win last night. Yeah, I mean, I would be stunned. Yeah, if they, <laughs> if but no, they but just get in at this point. Picture yeah. that. I mean, picture this. If they had lost, if they had lost. And they, you know, they, they lose the last three. What are they? Fifteen and twelve, and uh, is that right? Yeah, fifteen and twelve. Yeah, and then they lose in the Big Ten tournament. Like, I don't know if they get in. Thankfully for them, that's not going to be the case. You know, they get up to sixteen wins in the best and, and ten in the best conference in the country guarantees themselves being in the tournament. What for every year since ninety uh, eight, but one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Other than the. Uh... Are we counting? Last, are we year. counting last year? Well, you can just. I mean, they obviously would have been in the tournament. Right. That was that was a nobody played. So <laughs> every, every, other than yeah, that that's a. I don't know what to say about that. Michigan, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Only one year that they haven't made the tournament in the last couple of decades. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I yes, I they're they're in. I mean, they're 20 in the net rankings right now. Yeah. They're only three and seven against quad one teams. But you look at the rest. They're six and one against quad two. They're four and zero against quad three. They're three and zero against quad four. Generally speaking, they seem to beat most of the teams that they're supposed to. I know they haven't done it every time. Um, and right now, in the toughest conference in the country, that's that's certainly good enough to get in. They're sitting there as a projected five seed in the NCAA tournament, and I think that's probably somewhere around where they wind up. And that's that's uh, according to ESPN, right? I've seen you see a bracket matrix puts all those things together. I've seen them as high as a four. That's not going to happen. So. But, but as low as an eight, which... Well, certainly if they go 0-3... Is a possibility they, they staring down the barrel of uh, a matchup you don't want. That's a toss up in the first round, right? That and then having to face a potential one seed that could be that would likely be um, Gonzaga or Baylor, right? Because they're not. I, could they play a Big Ten team in the second round? Uh, I think any. I think it's possible because there's going to be well potentially. But they would probably do everything nine. they possibly could to avoid that. I would think, but I mean, when you've got potentially nine or eight Big Ten teams, you know, you're going to have multiple teams in the same bracket. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up because I'm interested. Teams from the same conference may play each other as early as the second round if they played no more than once during the regular season and conference tournament. If possible, rematches of non-conference. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, that. Well, that's well. Bad news. I'm, what'd you say? That's. I mean, I don't would, think would they'd you want to play any one seed? I guess, but yeah, but I certainly would. You want to play a one seed that you've already played? Yes. Really? The, what, after, after what they I, after what those one seeds have done to you, I after suppose. what Michigan did to them the first time, what what Illinois? Well, we'll see how this plays out. But you know what yeah. Illinois did to them the first time, and, and again, that couldn't happen because they played 
twice. They they will have played twice, and potentially three times in the in the, the tournament. I guess Ohio State gets a one seed, then they could possibly uh, play them in the second round because they've only played once, assuming they don't play in the Big Ten tournament. But either way, that's that that is obviously worst case scenario, right? Like you lose your last three, and then you don't win a game in the Big Ten tournament. You're probably looking at it that eight or nine uh, seed. Yeah, I should mention Ohio State, by the way, also projected as a one seed. Like the Big Ten is completely ridiculous this year with how top heavy it is and how good it is up there. Yeah, no doubt. I think they're going to end up probably as a five, uh, five or six, and Mm -hmm. then uh, have to, you know, and then have to play a a team that either a a mid-major that is really good or a a big conference team that's playing well at the end of the year to to jump up and grab that 12 12 seed, kind of like they did with Oregon a couple years ago. Right. Well, you look at some of the and who knows, because it never works out exactly this way. But some of the projected 11 seeds right now, like North Carolina is a projected 11 seed. Um, Yeah, there's a there's a potential playing game with Maryland and Stanford. So obviously those are those are big conference teams. But Drake is another projected 11 seed. Boise State is another projected 11 seed. So, I mean, it it runs the gamut. It could be it could be any type of team. Um, But, yeah, those those are some scary matchups when you start getting a lower and lower seed. They're obviously uh, less sure bets. It definitely is. I mean, if you had to put you, if you had to put your money on it right now, you got your bracket, right? You, you've, you've printed it up, got all 68 teams. Who you got winning? I want to go... Um, I want to go with Gonzaga. <laughs> you want to? Okay. But you're, are you going to? Would you? Yeah, why not? I think I think I, I feel like you'd be a guy that fill out multiple brackets and, and put a different winner in there so you could be right. I do not. I do not do that. That is not me. <laughs> I, look at their resume. I mean, Kansas isn't as good as uh, I thought they would be, and as the Jayhawks were early in the season. But as Gonzaga put up one hundred and two in that game. Yeah. That was way back in November. But they got wins against Iowa, West Virginia, Iowa. They put up ninety nine against Iowa. Um, beat Virginia. Put up ninety eight against Virginia. I mean, they they can I, score with they can score with anybody. Yes, absolutely, and certainly playing in the West Coast Conference sometimes um, you wonder how good a team can be. But they 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 were excellent in the non conference schedule, and also uh, I I'm just going to throw this out there. Way back was that the late '90s when Gonzaga first made a big run. Yeah, Dan Dickow was my guy. Yeah, was uh, he? I bet. Hold it down for the. Uh, the point guards uh, across America, and uh, he was my guy. Yeah. So I have a Gonzaga Nerf hoop somewhere in the basement from that uh, tournament run. So I, yeah, I think Gonzaga would be most people's pick. I mean, they in uh, in T rank they are number one in adjusted offense and number two in adjusted defense. And you're right the the competition within the conference not great, but the out of conference wins are still impressive. I wish they would have gotten to play Baylor. That was on the schedule. But that game was canceled. Yeah. Those are the top two right now. Yeah. I, you know, I've, Iowa's offense. Now, in, in T-Rank, they are two. But the other day, after they played Wisconsin, they were they were number one in, in Ken Palm. And the only team that had a better offensive rating in Ken Palm, Ken Palm era, was the 2015 Wisconsin team. As of, and wow. that, that was And that was uh, after... The Wisconsin game now. Uh, Iowa is number one in Ken Palm at one twenty-seven point two. I don't think that is. I think uh, Villanova is higher than that. Their twenty eighteen team was higher than that. But Wisconsin at what one twenty-nine point zero is the number one all-time 
offensive efficiency, but that just speaks to how good that off that Iowa offense is. I mean, they they Wieskamp was was on fire. They have so many different weapons, and and uh, then Wisconsin. You know, you hope you're looking at that game and you're saying Wisconsin. Okay, they're going to really struggle to stop them. I thought they actually did an okay job defensively for the most part. They made them work for a lot of stuff, but to shoot. What they did, thirty percent against what was coming into that game, the worst defense in the Big Ten. Yeah, yikes! That's uh, what I was going to say. They made they made Iowa's defense look like the late '80s Detroit Pistons or something. Like that. <laughs> I mean, they they shot horribly. Twenty one for seventy from the field for the game. Yeah, not going to win any games doing that. At least, certainly not against a top two seed like Iowa. I will say this: Iowa's defense now uh, adjusted efficiency was at ninety three. I think uh, after the Wisconsin game, all the way up to seventy four now. So they are they're they're apparently apparently playing some better defense, which is going to be significant if they want to get all the way through. Because every other team, at least at the top of it, at least at the top of the rankings, are really good at at uh, at both ends. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, like they all have, uh, they're all quite good at both ends of the court. So we'll see. This is kind of a a big picture question. It was something that a friend on Twitter uh, posted about, uh, that friend being Jason Wilde from uh, uh, Wilde and Tausch. And it was just something that that popped up. And it was was talking about what if, uh, most what if moments. It's kind of an off-season question. But since we don't do shows in the off-season, I figured we'd talk about it now. What is the one, quote, what-if moment in Wisconsin basketball history? Now, now some of the things that he mentioned that were, were other sports, but like one example for, say, the Packers would be, what if Brandon Bostic didn't flub the onside kick against Seattle? What does that change after that? You know, what if Ray Allen wasn't traded by the Bucks, Or, you know, just various things that, what if that didn't happen what could have led to the greatness after that as a result? So I'm wondering, what's your one what-if moment in Wisconsin basketball history? This is a good question. And when you, I just went back and uh, looked this up, I, I wrote a story about this last summer of top what-if questions in recent Wisconsin's men's basketball oh, history. Well, so there's a few of them. Sorry about that. Uh, no, that's okay. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I, I read it at the time. Yeah, it, it's okay. Um, I forgot about it, too. There's some good ones. Yes. Like what if Wisconsin didn't hire Bo Ryan? Because he wasn't the first choice because Rick Majerus actually got offered first and he turned it down. Um, yeah. I mean, I think... Thank God for his health, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what if Brian Butch didn't dislocate his elbow? Yes. I think a lot of people look at that one. Mm-hmm. What if Aaron Harrison missed the three-pointer at the 2014 Final Four? They're that was the, the year before. They're winning the title. They're, they're beating yeah, Connecticut. They, they are. Because UConn was that was an awful uh, game. Uh, Which the the UConn Kentucky game? The yeah the, yeah because I mean like UConn was, UConn made a Wisconsin. run like I mean UConn made a run obviously that that tournament they were not a top seed they beat Florida obviously which was a really good team and Wisconsin had already played them earlier in that year but yeah I, I, Wisconsin beats UConn I, I, I stand I so. by that. Uh, what if officials saw that? <laughs> Duke's Justice Winslow touched the ball in the 2015 National Championship. I don't think it makes – I don't think Wisconsin wins because the Badgers were down five. Correct. But maybe what if Duke took an eight-point lead. Yes. Uh, more what if for that game is what if the first half or the second half is called the same as the first half? Yeah. Officiated-wise. What if? What if Mike Krzyzewski didn't, didn't pull a Coach K and uh, <laughs> go after the officials? I mean, I, what if that doesn't happen? 
I mean, Wisconsin the least fouled the least of any team in the country, and they did not foul the least of any team in that second half. The NCAA head of officiating actually acknowledged afterward that officials got that call wrong. By what, the way. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was obvious. You're talking about the tip. I mean, yeah, the, the video. The, the video was clear. Touchdown. I don't like. I don't know. Uh, I did they go back after like after that and put in bigger monitors? Because like I, I, maybe that was a problem there. I don't know. But it was the the gif is still one that that uh, shows up all the time whenever big time officiating misses are <laughs> are talked about in college basketball. Even though like we all know that yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been a huge change in what the game was. It was clearly clearly off of Justice Winslow. Well, since we're down the rabbit hole, the, the NCAA head of officiating said at the time that referees working the game never saw the replay that viewers at home saw that showed Winslow touch the ball. Um, but then Dan Gavitt, who was the vice president of men's basketball championships, disputed that claim. He said officials did have the camera angle, but that it was the angle they saw likely didn't stay long enough uh on it during the review to see it magnified i don't know either Uh, way some other what ifs some other what ifs uh that you may or may not have in your article i'm sure you probably do what What, do you got what if devin harris doesn't leave after yeah 2004 what if he comes back with Orlando tucker and and we get a a full season with those two guys and uh because that 05 team ended up going to the elite eight and losing to eventual champion North Carolina in a game that was much closer than I think a lot of people thought it would be. But imagine if Devin Harris is on that team. And then also imagine if uh, Orlando Tucker does not get hurt in the, in the, uh, in that season in Devin's uh, junior year, you know, if he's healthy that entire year, put those two guys together, maybe you make a deeper run and, and you're in Milwaukee as a two seed, like they were, you know, in 2013, 14, and maybe you're making a deeper run that year. Those are, those are good ones. That's kind of the, a story of a lot of programs, but uh, it seems like there's a lot of what ifs with the with Wisconsin football and basketball. I think the other two, the other two I had, they were to much lesser degrees. But what if Wisconsin had collapsed down the stretch in 2016? Greg Gard's not the head coach now. What direction is the program in right now? I mean, I, I think they're in a great spot. I know I've been a, l- a little overly negative here on this episode, but obviously the things he's been able to do. He was Big Ten Coach of the Year last year. Wisconsin is still going to be in the NCAA tournament this year and give give themselves a chance. Uh, that certainly would have been interesting. Yeah, I mean, Coach Tony Bennett would probably have them. Yeah, I don't know about that. In the final fourth, like three straight years already. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I think his salary was a, a little high, and really don't think he wanted to come back. But. Yeah, it was, a, it was a joke, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, who? Well, I mean, one, I, I wonder. Fun. I wonder who would have gotten that job. I don't know. It would have been interesting. Yeah. What, Gary what? Anderson. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> We're going to wrap our arms around this one by finishing with uh, what if Tyler Hero had signed with Wisconsin Oof. in the 2018 recruiting class? Oof. You know, it's a classic what if. It is. Uh, he did not, obviously, after mm-hmm. being committed for a year. And I cannot fault him uh, for ultimately picking Kentucky because look where he's at now. He's a first round pick. He left after a year. You can fault him for the timing, however, because it left. Uh, it left Wisconsin high and dry, and they wound up with a class that had Ty Strickland and Taylor Curry and Joe Hedstrom. How'd that go? Strickland and Curry, uh, not there. Hedstrom, not playing so much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how long he would have been there. I know he and uh, Zach Showalter 
had a little back and forth on Twitter about it, but certainly would have been interesting. And at least for a year would have quelled all the fans talking about how Wisconsin can't recruit the best players in the state. Uh, well, do you know the those lot, are fun ones. Those, those, yes, a lot of fun, Jesse. There was a lot of fun had over yeah Tyler Hero's decision not to come to Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun, but it reminded me of if, you know they the last time they signed the number one kid according to the twenty four seven composite, Sam Decker. Yep, back in twenty twelve. Oh, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. But they just did offer the number one kid in the twenty twenty two class, Seth Trimble, and mm-hmm. I think you know his a lot of the guys offer lists that have been the number one player have uh, been very impressive, I think would be fair to say. Jalen Johnson, Tyler Hero, Diamond Stone, Kevin Looney, or Kevon Looney, going on, you know, there's been a lot of really, really good players that have ended up going to some of the Blue Blood programs in the country. I don't know if Trimble's going to get those kind of offers, but he's a, a four-star recruit, a guy that certainly if Wisconsin could land him would be uh, would be huge, and he's the number one player in the state. So you always want to put your arms around the state and keep everybody in there. And uh, that would be certainly one of those guys that you'd want to do that with. Yeah. He's already got about seven offers. Um, right. But you, you know, know what I'm USC's saying? He's in there. But like, I'm, but he's not. You're talking Jalen Johnson, NBA yes. lottery pick. Yeah. Tyler Hero, NBA lottery pick. Like, yeah, those are those type of guys had major, major offers from some of the best programs in the country. And, and uh, Seth Trimble may end up getting that. Right, he may at some point, uh, but he's not right now, and um, so we'll see. Because I people already expect. I, I posted, I, tw- I tweeted about that, and they're like, "All right, so he's number one player, in Wisconsin, definitely not going to Wisconsin." <laughs> and we'll see. But yeah, no, I thought the what if question was a, was a good one, and I totally forgot that you had written about it. But uh, a lot of a lot of what ifs these last uh, twenty years. One that uh, maybe is way out there is uh, Bobby. That's right, Bobby Knight. Bobby Coach Knight. Both Bob, could have been. Yeah. And Bobby Knight, uh, they were, wasn't it they were going to do it and it got out? And uh, he's That's like, right. I, I don't like that. Nope, not going to do that. What could have been? That's correct. I, shameless plug from a book from five years ago that nobody bought and no one read. And I read it. Uh, I do I have still a chapter on 100 Things Wisconsin Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's about uh, that, was, that, that story behind. Wisconsin botched the potential hirings of both Bobby Knight and Bo Schembechler. Uh, <laughs> classic Badgers athletics programs 40 years ago. What? Uh, where, where was that in the 100 things? Oh, that was to, to do or know? What, what part of that was? I mean, it's not to do, so I guess it's to know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there you have it. Yeah, uh-huh. It was number 27, just so you know, on page 92. So, of course, shameless plug. Shameless plug for the book that you have sitting right next to your computer. Um, that's right they gave me like 40 <laughs> copies i couldn't even give them away so i got you know, one i got one keep a few i got there one go. i still have it i still have it it's nice. good it's good yep yes so we'll see wisconsin's gonna take on illinois what do you think about illinois playing illinois plays two games before they play wisconsin again um i think they will still be good <laughs> by the time Wisconsin. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, but hey, Wisconsin's <laughs> going to have, maybe Wisconsin has a little bit of juice in the legs uh, after getting the entire week off. We'll see. Not the entire week off, but you know, in terms of playing a game, um, they get, they're taking today off, taking Tuesday off, a little back to get, get things going on Wednesday and then prepping on Thursday and Friday for Illinois. And we'll see if they can pull the upset against uh, the number five Illini. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Uh, looking forward to talking next. We may be previewing the Big Ten tournament. We may be. We'll see. You've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.